Hey there DC fans, this is Josh Rayner, Editor-in-Chief of DC Comics News, here to give you a special deal from Insight Editions. Insight Editions is an amazing company who uh, sells books and collectibles uh, from all sorts of pop culture, whether it be DC Comics, Marvel Comics, uh, movies like Die Hard, Harry Potter, Alien, everything out there in the world you can you can find you got books collectibles uh pop-up greeting cards they have all kinds of amazing items and right now you can get 35 percent off site-wide by using the code dc news 35 that's dc n-e-w-s 35 dc news 35 use that code and receive 35 percent off site-wide at insighteditions.com Welcome one and all to episode 102 of the DC Comics News Podcast. Uh, this is, of course, the podcast where we talk to everything uh, DC, um, movies, TV, streaming, comics, and anything else that might pop up. So uh, with me, I'm your host, Brad Flicky, and with me today is uh, the wonderful Seth Singleton. How are you doing today, Seth? I'm doing pretty good. I can be wonderful, and I think I will be by the time this episode is over. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, so we can just jump right on into some movie news. Uh, this this week, Anne uh, Sarnoff has said that there is a plan for a unified DC kind of cinematic universe of some sorts. So, Seth, what was your what was your take on this? Well, I'm really intrigued. Uh, you know, this was like a, an interview, uh, appears to be with uh, MediaLink. And in the process, you know, talking about this whole idea of what we thought was going to be a connected universe way back in the beginning, what changed after the responses to things like Batman, Superman, and uh, Justice League. And then now I really think what this does is for any of the fans who've been looking at the Flash story, it really teases the possibility of all those hints we've had that this story, uh, you know, also addresses the idea of Ben Affleck and Michael Keaton both appearing as Batman in different versions, which means to all of us that believe it's, you know, going to happen, the multiverse, which is something that I love. You mentioned one of the times we were talking about it is something that comic book fans have always sort of known and dreamed about, but we're finally getting the chance to maybe see it on screen. I feel that sets up or this sets up that possibility really well, uh, engages the, the fans in, who know about this part and are really excited by the idea, and also maybe makes us think about how future films can benefit from that opportunity. Well, what do you think, man? Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm very intrigued, too. Uh, I, I, um, I like the idea of, at least in some sort of way, a unified uh cinematic universe and you can still have that concept of the multiverse and it makes me think too that um these higher ups at warner brothers i think that they have seen in some way some capacity 
the Snyder Cut and they know they've got something good because the one thing that that pulled them away from this idea was the fact that the Justice League movie, when it first came out, didn't do so well. But yet these solo release movies really did. So I think that they realize they've got something kind of special on their hands that they can go ahead and start talking about this. And I agree completely about The Flash. I think The Flash is a great jumping off point for all of that. And uh, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be interesting to see that all play out in the next in the next few years. You know, hopefully more and more things will get back on track production wise and, and, uh, you know, we'll have a clearer picture in the next few years. Yeah, I'm just going to add on as well to that. You know, Steve, we're here, given his recent role where he's been giving a, a superheroes for dummies course on podcasts, he would point out something that's really relevant, which is that it was also the Flash and comics who discovered the multiverse. So it, it, it helps for that idea of, you know, his connection to Jay Garrick and then also how we can maybe see some sort of version, um, but also the legacy being continued in the film as well. So yeah. Steve, Kelly, Kendra, we know you guys aren't here, but there's going to be times when the stories are going to reference you and we're just going to give you a little, you know, shout. Hope your ears are burning. Thanks, man. <laughs> and moving on, Wonder Woman 1984 has won a third uh, weekend at the box office. Uh, so what was your takeaway on, on this? This one's going to make me lean back in the squeaky chair, man. Um, oh, and knock over a water bowl. Don't mind me. Nothing spilled. I promise <laughs> I'm fine. Everybody relax. <laughs> what kind of carpet? Don't want to say. All right. <laughs> So uh, I, I really, for the most part, I'm not surprised by its success. Um, third weekend is great. I love that the article points out that it's not really facing a lot of stiff competition, given how broken up things are with movie releases. So the, the next major one not coming until March, it's got some time to continue to build. Um, I do note that the story points out that it is uh, overall currently tracking behind Tenet, which was the last major film released before uh, in theaters and had its own difficulties navigating getting to the big screen. So I think this is just an example uh, in in reference to that of how the challenges are going to continue to exist. But I also think this is one of those movies fans can go back to, you know, if they're comfortable at the theater, if they want to see a great uplifting, positive movie, share with friends, they've not got the time to do it. And, you know, back in like the late 90s, we saw everyone just going nuts for like Titanic in certain movies throughout the last 20 years where people will just go back and see it again and again and again. So possibility it could overtake Tenet. Man, eh, check back here. You never know. What was your take, man? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, granted, it's a strange world we're living in these days. Um, you know, had things been normal, I think this would have been well on its way to a billion dollars uh, by now. Uh, the fact that it could still maintain it, granted, it didn't make, you know, it hasn't made uh, blockbuster amounts, but it can still stay on top for three weeks, despite the fact that it's streaming on HBO Max says a lot for people's reaction to the films. They 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 really like it. And I think that, you know, this was the best case scenario situation where everybody, you know, consumers, fans, Warner Brothers you know, even the creative team behind the movie can walk away at least a little bit uh, satisfied. So I think given the circumstances, I think that um, that it's great. And and I think that had it not been on HBO Max, it would have uh, easily overtaken Tenet. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, we, we got we're getting a third film on the way. So I think that that's that's 
you know, it's a great, that's a great sign as well of the movie's success. Totally agree. <laughs> and moving on, it looks like uh, Justice League, Snyder Cut, and Wonder Woman 1984 will be getting the 4K release, uh, you know, on Blu-ray. So what was your, what was your take on this? Well, to me, it just says that I need to get um, a better television. Um, <laughs> simply so I can enjoy all of this uh, higher quality. I, I think it's just a commitment to the understanding that for uh, fans, they they sort of know the value that is behind these projects, and they they want to have that value. You know, I've I've seen some posts at times when there'll be a, a online site that provided media that you could buy content from that goes down and. The responders are like, this is why I always believe in physical media. You know, this is why I think it's it's something that, you know, if you're a true collector, if you're a fan, you always want to have that physical copy that you can plug in and watch any moment. And for those who are serious, they always want the best quality. That's why there's always something new coming that, that shows us a little bit more, that looks a little closer. So I think the success behind not only Wonder Woman 1984, but um, what Justice League has now come to represent through this uh return to the original for Zack snyder just a, a great testament to the belief behind the marketing and the merchandising that you know people are going to want to have this copy on their shelves i'm curious what about you brad do you uh you know i i think that there's i, I personally do not get 4k blu-rays um i but i think that there is definitely a very healthy market for them I think that there are there is a really big um, movie going fandom that loves the idea of having the absolute best way to hear, watch and and, and just experience the film. Uh, you know, you get a 4K Blu-ray in some ways that can be almost better than than the theater experience. And I think people there's the, the segment of people that really, really love that. And people just like to have their favorite movies at their disposal whenever they want in case it does get taken off you know streaming services for whatever reason so uh i think that it, it, it it's smart and i think that this will it'll sell well for the for the you know for that audience that really loves and craves those those high-end experiences and up next it uh, looks like uh harry lennox has confirmed that he will be playing uh, Martian Manhunter in the Snyder Cut. Uh, what we should take on this? This was kind of a wild story for me. Um, <laughs> I, I just got a kick out of as I was reading, and he's like, "Yeah, look, I I simply had no idea. I I don't know what to tell you. You know, back when I was you know in Man of Steel, it was one and done in my opinion. And then they bring me back for Batman Superman, and I'm like, okay, so you know maybe I'm doing a little bit more, but I'm what a supporting character, and they didn't give him any other clues about the identity. And now, I mean, the recent revelations that we've seen, um, and the idea of how he was maybe hidden under our noses. Maybe there's fans out there going, no, nah, I saw it all, dude. You guys were totally behind. I saw everything. I know everything. You know what I mean? Like they, they saw, they predicted this moment from the moment he appeared on screen. They're like, Martian Manhunter, done. Like, and I get that. But for a lot of people, this is a surprise. And clearly for the actor, it is too. I love the fact that we're now going to get to see John Johns. He's, he's one of those characters who's just really quite lovely and he's always for me been this beautifully haunting and tragic character 
Uh, I felt recently Steve Orlando's uh, 12 issue was like a really wonderful addition to that, really gave us some complexity. I don't know how much of that can be tapped into for a a Snyder Cut, but the fact that we might be able to see more Martian Manhunter in the future and see this really complex story that's being added to his uh, history, I'm excited for. More importantly, I'm just excited to see him on screen, in action anyway, and you know, if you if you're not, please tell me why. I, I'm I'm curious to hear. Brad, what do you think? Yeah, I'm I'm excited too, and I'm glad that they kept the same actor. And uh, you know, I'm glad that that was kind of revealed. And and uh, you know, uh, it's just one of those things that's making me you know more excited for the Snyder Cut, and just wondering, uh, you, you know, how how the, you know how Zack Snyder's going to pull this all off with all these characters. It comes back to kind of what. I said a lot when we were discussing, you know, Titan season two with all these characters they were um, they were bringing on. So it's going to be fun to watch how he lets these characters interact. And, uh, you know, I agree with you that there's a certain tragedy about the character. And uh, it's always a character that people know about, but um, is kind of underused. Um so it's even though he was used in in Supergirl and all that, but still I think that that there is there is room and space, and I think that people like do like the character. So yeah, I'm 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 all for it. Dude, I'm so with you. Not only did the guy originally show up with like powers that rivaled Superman, but on top of it, invisibility, ability to change. <laughs> like yeah. this guy needs to be in more stuff. He he just needs to be utilized yeah. by people who get. Um, so yeah, man, I'm I'm looking forward to hopefully more more Manhunter, man. Yeah, and, and you were right that that uh, Steve Orlando series was so good. Wasn't it so though? Good. I mean, yeah. and the yeah. art, uh, uh, I swear, uh, it takes me back to the old Green Lantern mosaic every time. It just reminds me of those crazy, vibrant colors, and it was it was a gorgeous series, man. Yeah. I, I was yeah. I, I loved everything about it. Um, and and now when I see Riley's stuff and anything else, I'm just like, dude. That's Rospo. <laughs> and that series really cemented that art style in my mind. Like I, I always just know as soon as I see a certain part of it, I'm like, that's Rosmo, dude. That's yeah. It's gonna yep. be fun. Yeah. It's gonna be yeah. really good. Uh, <laughs> thanks, man. That yeah. was fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And the last bit of movie news we have this week, uh, we've gotten through a kind of an odd way, we've got a glimpse at Paul Dano's Riddler uh from the upcoming the batman movie uh what was your what was your take on this okay so i'm going to set the stage a little bit for you and i'll go into a little bit of mine and then i'll hear yours but for anybody who hasn't heard about this story it all comes from mountain dew no uh yes uh this story made me chuckle because essentially that the the movie was supposed to come out on a certain timeline which means all the other products that were following their set and predetermined timelines probably executed based on a, B, C, D, smarter than me, uh, economics and, you know, <laughs> understanding of how things work. So they created uh, this, uh, what is it called? Riddler's Brew version of Mountain Dew. And over the Mountain Dew symbol over on the, if you're looking at the bottom of the left-hand corner, you can totally see this image of what is kind of, I guess, the Riddler. That's what this article is saying. And it's like he's wearing a hood and he's got some kind of bird-like weird angular glasses um, that are also lit up and kind of neon. And I'm doing a terrible job of explaining this, but 
essentially, <laughs> that's that's what they look like. It, it was really interesting for me. It was much more stylized than I expected. And yet it is stylized uh, in a theme that I feel like the Batman has so far portrayed. Everything is very utilitarian. Everything is relatively functional. So then that makes me think these are like, uh, for anyone who's been watching Stargirl, when they do the Dr. Midnight part with the idea of an intelligent glass, like a Google Glass or uh, the goggles worn by Dr. Midnight, potentially having like an AI that allows, that seems like something where there would benefit. The rest of the costume was interesting because it seems so shrouded. You know, the face is covered. There's like a, a mask covering uh, the mouth, everything from the nose and down. It's either like a, you know, like a taller sort of top that blends into that or it's a specific covering. And then the hood. But the glasses really stuck out for me. I mean, it, it's kind of creepy. It's a little dark. It also feels like I want the glasses to be technology and stylized like to serve a purpose but also like add to that riddler sort of thing and then uh, the rest of it just feels like it's still really wrapped in mystery for me which makes me wonder if that's how the character is going to be for most of the movie and this doesn't want to give away anything or that's how we're going to identify with the character kind of like we'll always picture darth vader one way even if you take off the helmet you're like nah dude darth vader's still the guy in the thing with the so i kind of feel like that might be part of you know what's going overall it was a really interesting peak and it raised a lot of questions. And also, it just made me chuckle again. Like, how did we find this story? Mountain Dew. Mountain Dew. What about you, Brad? Yeah, I. this is one of those hive mind moments because I, 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 I thought I was surprised it was that stylized as as well. Uh, I, I kinda, but I kind of, you know, dig the look for what it's worth. Um, I, I'm kind of getting an almost a Court of Owls vibe from from uh, the goggles in a way so it makes me wonder if somehow that's going to all tie in to the movie in some way that's that's a bit of a reach but that's nope, kind of so the not alone thing. yeah so not was, alone i totally agree with you on that yeah so yeah interesting i you know i'll be honest i'm not a mountain dew fan so i don't know if i'll be trying this riddler's brew but you know i do appreciate the look and i and i like that fact that to me it, it it raises more questions than than it answers. So, you know, let the let the speculation begin. But yeah, for some reason, I'm just getting a very Court of Owls vibe from the whole thing. Gotcha. And also, I can agree with you, man. I think I had to give a Mountain Dew like the seventh or eighth grade. Like yeah, my body was just like, no way, man. That's yeah, right. you, a little part of us dies every time you drink it. <laughs> and we're not telling you which part. It's just kind of like your soul and your body. I don't know what to tell you, man. Pure gasoline. And with that, we are going to uh, take a quick break and we will come back with some TV and streaming news. So stick around. Hey there, DC fans. This is Josh Rayner, Editor-in-Chief of DC Comics News, here to give you a special deal from Insight Editions. Insight Editions is an amazing company who uh, sells books and collectibles uh, from all sorts of pop culture, whether it be DC Comics, Marvel Comics, uh, movies like Die Hard, Harry Potter, Alien, everything out there in the world you can you can find. You got books, collectibles, uh, pop-up greeting cards. They have all kinds of amazing items. And right now, you can get 35% off site-wide by using the code DCNEWS35. That's DCNEWS35. 3-5. DC News 
Use that code and receive 35% off site-wide at InsightEditions.com. This is Seth Singleton from DC Comics News, here to tell you about the Spinner Rack. Each and every week, DC Comics publishes so many great books, it can be hard to decide where to invest your time and money. And that's where the Spinner Rack comes in. The Spinner Rack is my honest attempt to rate, review, score the top five books from DC Comics each and every week. How can you listen? It's easy. All you have to do is go to your favorite platform, subscribe to DC Comics News Podcasts, and wait for the new episode to load up. Join me each and every week as I sift through the best from DC Comics and pick my top five books. Can't wait to share them with you and to hear your scores when you share them with us right here on the DC Comics News Podcast. Picture this, someone who knows nothing about comics. Someone who knows comics from movies, TV, and video games. A complete ultra-comics nerd. You pick the character you want us to talk about. You send us the questions you want answered. You make the show. A podcast by fans. For fans. Making new fans. Superheroes. Or dummies. Part of the Comics in Motion Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? I am Kelly Gaines for DC Comics News. I am Tony Hasty for this show. And we are here to introduce our new show, DCN After Dark. This is the late night talk show for all of the wild ideas, fascinating concepts, and scandalous tales straight from the DC Universe. We are not going to hold any punches. We are going to give all of our opinions straight off the dome, and sometimes we'll be writing it down. It is not for the faint of heart. It is not for the sensitive ears. It is not for any children. Viewer discretion is going to be advised because we are going to be swearing a lot. Yes. Yeah. And possibly, maybe by episode five, getting to our hundredth joke. Here's <laughs> <laughs> hoping. <laughs> We're going to have guests on this show, we're going to be guests on other shows, but we're not going to finish this sentence. <laughs> off, the t- off the cuff, let's go. Off the cuff, off the cuff. Anything off, you want, anything you cuff. want. Scooby-Doo would be a better detective than Jim Gordon. There you go. That's, that is what this whole show is about. That's what the show is about. We're going to be talking about, we're going to be talking about stuff like that. Should we have seen more of the bat? Go. No, no one had to see more of the bat. No, I didn't want to. God damn it. Look, all right. We're going to Scooby-Doo, DCN After Dark. Check us out. Watch us without your kids. And if you are a kid, you shouldn't have even seen this promo. Drink recipes, content creation, reviews, unsolicited advice, and very inappropriate jokes. Yes. And a Santa, uh, an un- unseasonable Santa hat. Except it's season, but whatever. Check us out. <laughs> Not getting rid of the Santa hat. <laughs> Available exclusively on YouTube. All right, so uh, moving on to uh, the TV and streaming part of the show. Uh, first up is that HBO Max has uh, extended its discount. Uh, through March. So if you have not subscribed yet, do it now and you can still get that discounted price through uh, through March. So uh, Seth, what was your take on this? Totally a win-win scenario. Like just 
if you haven't yet, and that's okay if you haven't, but if you haven't, and these are all things you would like to see, which, I mean, they've got everything from HBO Max Originals, um, all of the DC content, so many other great options available, a lot of classics. I was recently hearing from uh, one of the one of the chat channels that we have that West Wing had moved over to HBO Max, and I'm a big fan of that show. So now I've been watching it obsessively on there, just like I used to on Netflix. Um, I love the original stuff. I just finished Lovecraft Country, and oh my goodness! Oh yeah, that's bonkers. Wasn't that just so beautiful, though? <laughs> I mean, like it was just such a. I mean, it it reminded me of all the things I loved about Watchmen. It went back in time. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Right? Yeah, I felt very, I got a very Watchmen vibe from it too. Yeah, absolutely. So intelligent, so lovely. So I'm going to say, hey, if you've liked what you've heard about Watchmen, what you've seen about Watchmen, and you somehow don't have it, get it. And if you do have it, and you think like I do, and want to sing praises and recruit members, like, just tell a friend, man. Tell a friend. Brad, what was your take? Yeah, I think people need to, uh, you know, um, jump on this bandwagon here because you know when when hbo max first started out its offerings were pretty slim now it's it's uh it's packing some big punches like you're saying with like west wing and and stuff that it's kind of taking away from netflix so you know it's it's becoming a more and more important streaming service all the time so if you haven't i would say you know jump on board because there is a lot of you know great content over there, and you know they they uh, have been very good about putting a lot of DC content over there as well. So you know it's it's you know you're saying win-win. This is a win, definitely a win-win for you know movie fans and DC fans. So yeah, if you haven't, take advantage of it because uh, it, it's it's worth it and it gets more worth it every day. I was going to add on, too, if you don't mind, man. I also just realized my wife got really into his show. Um, and in, have you heard of, have you been watching Warrior? Oh, no, I've heard of it, but I, yeah, but I have not, uh, I have not watched it yet. Yeah, it took me into like an episode or two to realize, actually, no, it was the first episode, that it was actually a Cinemax project. So I forgot mm-hmm. that this is also combining a lot of content from Cinemax. And um, it one, it's based on notes from a whole concept that Bruce Lee had written up that never got developed. And it's then, too, got some really, you know, fun sort of spaghetti Western uh, martial arts stuff to it, as well as some awesome fighting. But it just reminded me that there's probably also a ton of content from, like, other channels that have been absorbed into this, like Cinemax stuff, in addition to stuff that's been pulled over from others that I didn't even think of. So. We're telling you what we know about, and then there's still all the possibilities we haven't even yet discovered. So allow me to just add that part in, and that even before I saw the show, I'd see people post things about an episode and say, I love this show, and I'm like, I wonder what that is. And now I know, and I get why they do it. So that's my addition. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And up next, uh, the Peacemaker series has begun uh, production. Uh, What was your take on this, Seth? Well, I definitely have to give credit to James Gunn. His social media savvy is something I can't ever match, but I would certainly love to learn how to do. This was an awesome story, for starters. Just the idea of him saying, so yeah, five months ago while quarantining, I'm pretty much done with editing Suicide Squad. I'm kind of just hanging out. And instead of getting the chance to go on a vacation, I went ahead and punched up a whole spinoff. Like... (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> talk about like, you know, it's like I've seen recently there's a basketball player who as soon as he showed back up on the court, everyone's like, so we know what he was doing during quarantine. This guy is so fit. Like he looks like he worked out every 10 minutes. Clearly, James Gunn was working out his mind and also his pen and scripted the series that now because of that is able to already start filming. And then the social media little blast him wearing this crazy looking adorable peacemaker shirt reminds me of a Deadpool one I have uh, like with like riding the cat with the unicorn horn and stuff like yeah. that. This has very much that same vibe. But there's like a peace dove, which I've seen used on a lot of different imagery from Christian to you name it. And it's not surviving the situation well. So it's like idyllic, except for Peacemaker. I think it's a great post. I think it's uh, really silly and funny. And everything I've seen about Peacemaker in print just makes me more excited for this movie. I, I love what John Senna is doing for Orsina. That's probably one of those ones I mess up. Uh, for what I've seen leading up to Suicide Squad, it makes me more excited for uh, the series. I love it that things can still continue during the pandemic. It's always impressive. It's like that reminder of resiliency, like a you know a flower growing between the cracks in the concrete, right? What do you think? Yeah, this is you know I you know we have stories about oh this show is going to happen. I'm always a little cynical until. I get really concrete news and Peacemaker was one of those, but now that it's already begin production, that makes me you know, excited. Like this is happening. This is like, and, and it's crazy that he wrote it so fast and it's in production already. That's, that's really kind of amazing. And, and I'm glad you brought up that t-shirt because I was going to say, man, uh, if you didn't, I was going to bring it up because I kind of want to find out where he got that and get myself one. I, I kind of dig that Peacemaker shirt. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like we're not alone. I feel like you're going to see yeah. this, you know, out and about conventions, yeah. whatever, you know, when yeah. those come back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I'm psyched. Let's, let's, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing it. So let's get it done. And moving uh, right along on our TV news, uh, Gwendolyn Christie of Game of Thrones and Star Wars fame has been cast in a secret role for Netflix's upcoming Sandman series. Uh, so, Seth, what was your take on this? Uh, this is like one of those stories of like, we know there's somebody there. That's all we know. And you're like, oh, 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 oh OK, uh, it's really hard to keep going from that point. I'm uh, not familiar with the actor. I don't know previous work. Um, however, it looks like she was in Last of uh, or Last Jedi, which I don't remember uh, her character in, and Game of Thrones, which um, I'm one of those people, man. I didn't watch the show, so stone me when you need to. I get it. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's just interesting that it's one of those things where you have to wonder where could she go? You know, is this someone who could dye their hair and play death or something else i don't know uh the first ones that came to mind were the two characters i most immediately associate with supporting cast for salmon um and one is death and two is now totally escaping me and all i can think of is magicine from uh lucifer another name i'm probably not saying well either Brad, you and Steve could probably break this down much better than me, Steve. We're thinking of you too, buddy. So uh, I, I'm relying on you, man. What's your take? Uh, you know, so Gwendolyn Christie played uh, Captain Phasma. So she was behind the mask the whole time. So you never really got to see her face in that 
um, in, in, ah, in the Star Wars movies. Okay, I knew the voice, but no, I did not connect those two at all. Okay, now I'm yeah. intrigued, and I, I think she's pretty commanding. Cool. And in Game of Thrones, she plays Brienne of Tarth. Now, both of those characters are are are, are physically imposing. She is is really really tall, and uh, she just has this like physical presence about her. So I'm thinking what would what would be a definite possibility and I, I and they mentioned this in the article is possibly a gender swiped destruction. I think she would do uh, a really good job if they decided to go that route. So you know that that's very also very intriguing. Um, could that be could she be destruction? And they also said destiny, destiny I could see. I, I think desire's a bit of a stretch, but I, I think that um, a destiny or uh, destruction would be would be very perfect and right right up her alley. Uh, I'm sure that that Steve will have his uh, two cents to add this maybe when he's back on uh, on an episode he can give us his take on that. But that's 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 kind of what I would what I see her playing. But man, I cannot wait to see. You know the first footage and the first pictures from this production because uh same man it's just it uh, i just hope they do it well <laughs> that's all man. well i like, like your excitement is, about this casting <laughs> yeah yeah and uh up next uh looks like the uh gotham city police series has a new showrunner uh, the, a few weeks ago, the showrunner uh, had uh, decided cr- uh, creative differences and left, but now they are bringing someone new into the fold. So what was your take on this? Well, it's always good news when you find out that a showrunner departing hasn't meant the end of a production. I mean, clearly, whatever the differences were could not be resolved, and that's why we had the departure of Terrence Winter back in November. But... Um, now that you know that you've got a new showrunner, you can, you know, go ahead and start considering the possibility of, of what a revised timeline is going to look like once that person's kind of caught up. Maybe they already are. And this is just a public announcement. Uh, you know, Barton's already been working on this and already has a plan in place. But either way, um, impressive, you know, sort of credits coming up and based on a previous project with BBC Two and Netflix, so I, I think I think I'm impressed so far with the fact that this is a project that looks stalled and no longer does. And I love the fact that uh, we can look forward to it picking up, just like we were talking about with Peacemaker getting started. What was your take? Yeah, I I would just I, I I'm really glad that the, that um, this production starting to pick up again too, because I, I was kind of wondering what they were going to do, you know, if, if they were just going to scrap it or if they were going to try to bring somebody else on. And I'm glad that they, I'm glad that they did because this, de- this definitely has the potential to be a, a pretty cool show. Uh, I, I am not familiar with, uh, with uh, uh, Barton's work. I, I've never seen his Netflix series, but I, I think I will have to check, that out and that he's got a new film coming out called invasion which i'll have to check out as well um but you know bottom line is i'm just happy to see that that they're moving forward with it and that they did find a new showrunner uh and you know just hope that uh, the stars align and we can get uh, we can get it going 
Up next, uh, we have learned that uh, the CW-verse, or whatever they're calling it now, uh, Arrowverse, whatever, uh, crossover this year has been canceled uh, because of COVID-19. What was your your take from this? Disappointing. Uh, Opportunity to, you know, (laughs) introduce more worlds, bring uh, Batwoman more into the connected universe and and hopefully encourage even more crossovers for guest appearances of characters on other show i would have gotten a big kick out of seeing you know batwoman show up uh, flash black lightning you know in a series where i mean for me it reminds me of the best parts of the comics when you knew that a guest character was showing up for like a three to five issue arc and you know you got a chance to see what the dynamic was of these two characters and if there was you know potential for down the road so i was you know looking forward to it it definitely sounds like uh Vicia leslie was was looking forward to it as well um and that you know for the most part, everyone's just sort of saying, oh, OK, this was something we wanted. Um, but, you know, the crossover it essentially has been affected by the pandemic. And we don't know how much more is possible at this time or if something could be possible again in the future. But, you know, I, I love it when audiences from one show get the chance to meet other characters and potentially grow to enjoy them. Um, you know, it was also one of the ways we got a chance to see Flash Kickstart was as a guest character on Arrow and then spinning off onto his own. So I love that idea of more than one character on a show and creating new audiences. Um, I'm hopeful for the future, but that's me. What about you, Brad? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm hopeful, too. I think that this is just an unfortunate situation that... Um that we just kind of have to, to deal with. And maybe in the end, it'll be a, a a good thing because it'll give the new Batman time to establish herself and give, uh, you know, the Superman Lois show time to establish itself with having, without having to spend an episode in a crossover. But I'm with you. I, I love it when these characters can interact. So I, I, I do think that, that those crossovers are popular enough that it will be something that we we see again, hopefully next season, once the, you know, once, once we can put the pandemic behind us, it's unfortunate, but probably necessary. So it's just one of those times where we kind of have to just roll with the punches. Um, but you know, it, it, it um, I, I don't think that it'll be the end of crossovers though. I, I do think that uh, we'll definitely see more of those down the line. And up next thing within that CW verse world, we've got, um, some Batwoman uh, stories about the second season that uh, that's debuting soon. Uh, the showrunner has discussed some changes, and we also have learned that um, Black Mask is going to be a villain in the second season. Uh, what was your takeaway from this? Well, Brad, I think the first thing that really caught my attention was the fact that we get the chance to get inside the head of Carolyn Oh, boy, another name that could I could always just drives or drees, whatever. If I'm saying it wrong, just yell at me somewhere. Um, <laughs> won't be the first time. I'm just telling you. Uh, I love that we get a chance to see her process. And through that, we also get the chance to sort of understand where the decisions were made and why they were made. Because one of the questions that was raised was why cast a new actor? Why make the decision to 
leave all of that? Why not just reboot? Why not just do a character swap out? And the first thing she addresses is it wouldn't have been the right move. It would have felt weird and awkward, which I thought was just like awesome. Do whatever you're eating. I'm so getting some. No. Um. <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> I'm just teasing you. I heard this crackling and I was like, oh, really? There, there better be some cookies. No, just, and there better no, be some I'm just pulling the... It better Actually be like pulling some incense out. <laughs> no problem, man. I'm not, I'm I'm just giving you. I was just chuckling because I was like, dude, that's too easy to enjoy. So just as tasty as the possibility of cookies from Brad might have been for you, me, and everyone listening, is the possibility of of why you do something. And I love this idea of like it didn't feel right to do a swap, and then also. Um, didn't know if the audience would agree with that decision or the new decision. And also addressing the question of what about if we're ending up negating all of season one or saying, okay, now you need to start watching the show. Like it it was a really interesting process because you could see that there was no easy way forward. And I, I also felt that it was important that the decision was based on whether or not the audience would agree, whether or not the audience would say like, okay, we accept this because man, that's like a, uh Occam's razor right like you're you're balancing on such a fine edge that one tilt to the other you know um you, you've got trouble so I was really intrigued by that idea now the the whole black mask story is really impressive for me it's really uh, a nice development I feel like this is a character who's really getting a resurgence not only from birds of prey uh but playing out in the uh, future city storylines and also wherever else he might be making a greater influence um, in sort of the overall psyche of fans, both old and new. Um, I think the decision that's really kind of smart is that um, (laughs) we're going to get a chance to get a sense of uh, Black Mask Gang, and then at some point when he's going to arrive. So I like the decision to have a new villain entity because one of the things that was important about alice was the connection to uh kate kane well what we need to do now is is create this challenge where something threatens um avicia leslie's character in a very specific way so that they're you know driven even beyond reason because that's what always the challenge is heroes can take on the regular villains it's the ones who are willing to ask more of the hero just to succeed or to put the pressure so greatly upon them that in all other situations, a normal person would fail. That's why a hero rises. I like that the black mask is a, you know, a choice for that villain. And I think that what we've seen so far is a great indication of just how dangerous and menacing uh, he could be portrayed in this show. What what did you think of these two stories, the big changes and also a black mask? Yeah, I, so as we're recording this just a few days ago, because I knew that the second season was uh, coming out and I really want to see how they handle all these changes. I went in and started binging the first season. So I did want to read too, too deeply into her interview because I didn't want to learn too much. Uh, You know, it it, it is a tightrope on what, you know, how you want to honor Ruby Rose's performance. And, you know, I, I would agree that that would be awkward, but how do you make that into a compelling story? You know, how does it, it's, it's a very tricky balance. And, uh, you know, 
so far, I think one thing that it really has going for it is that uh, uh, Javika's Leslie really seems to be enthusiastic about the role. She is all on board and every interview that she's given through fandom, whatever it may be, has just just been just so, so positive about the character. And I think that that is going to be definitely a, a strong aspect of the second season. So I. I, uh, I'm kind of holding out. I'm not going to start watching the second season until I do get through completely through the first. So hopefully that'll happen soon. So I won't be too far behind on the second season. Um, but yeah, I, I'm really, you know, intrigue seems to be the magic word of this episode, but I'm really intrigued at how they're going to pull this, this all off. And, you know, the podcast that uh, I did with Josh, I brought Josh, I brought it up to that, uh, how they're dealing with that is dealing with this her ruby rose's absence kate king's absence is going to be really tricky because she's not coming back you know so are they going to kill her off they have to deal with it in a way that makes sense where she isn't coming back so so we'll see and the alice being the sister that's a whole nother level of complexity so uh you know it's they've got a tough job on their hands but uh, i'm really interested to watch it play out and i think that that black mask is having a resurgence, a resurgence, and he is kind of a, a versatile character to use because he's known enough that people will know the name, but still not well, you know, not necessarily well known enough where they can't kind of reinvent the character in different ways. Uh, you know how Ewan McGregor played him as this kind of charismatic gangster. I wonder how they're going to you know, portray the character, you know, it, it, it's, it's very open with what they, with what they can do. And, and the days where even a character as well known as the Joker can be reinvented so many ways, uh, it'll be interesting to see. And, and, uh, I always thought that black mask is a villain that should be more well known. So it's good to see that he's coming into, um, into the spotlight. And our last bit of TV news is that, uh, flash season seven, has cast its uh, chill lane. So what was your take on this? Cold. Everyone thinks if they've got cold, they can slow down the fastest man alive. You know, I mean, we've seen it before. Uh, it was part of Endless Winter's story. It was how Captain Cole first thought he had it all figured out. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, you know, I... I like the idea of Chilblaine because he's going to potentially offer a new take on Cold. You know, we've seen Captain Cold not only when he was on The Flash, but later taking on a more heroic, sometimes, uh, <laughs> approach on Legends of Tomorrow. So um, I do like the idea that we will sort of get some, you know, feeling behind uh, the the events that, that sort of got rushed in the end of season six. Um, I also like the fact that, you know, it sounds like overall uh, there's a lot of planning and thought going on. Um, I'm not really familiar with uh, the actor's previous work. I'm totally going to blank on his name right now. Uh, John Core. But I am familiar with the projects he's been involved in, and, and there's some that I would like to see. Um, I didn't see Lost in Space. I I wasn't really sure about another reboot. I saw the 90s one, and it just 
left a lot of wanting. Uh, my my wife has mentioned I've heard some really good uh, reviews about being human, so that's something I would like to pick up at some point. I'm not familiar with dark matter, although that could just banish me to, you know, like nerd limbo if I don't know what that is, and I'm okay with that. Or being Erica, so. I, I'm not as uh, familiar, but I, I do sort of like that he's got the, you know, if you look at the picture of the actor, which they show in a, a picture of the character, you know, this sort of, you know, a bit smug, a bit <laughs> overdone, uh, you know, almost uh, Hollywood take on a character. And not someone who, if I remember correctly, Golden Glider sort of really uh, respected, I guess is the best word. Brad, what was your take on this announcement? Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on that. I'm not really familiar with his work in these other shows. I, I have, I, I think I, I may have seen like a few episodes here and there of Being Human, um, but yeah, I'm not I'm not super familiar. Uh, and you're right, you know, it's always oh, the 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 villains with the cold think that they can beat the Flash. So uh, I just really like though how the Flash series has integrated all these characters in the lore throughout the past seven seasons so it's cool that they're all getting their kind of uh you know their their due so yeah it should be it should be interesting to see uh and it's looking also from this article this is a little bit of a side note that he i don't think he's going to be the big bad it looks like godspeed will be the big bad of the season season which will be which will be interesting as well so yeah uh, you know we'll see And with that, we are going to uh, take a quick break and we will come back with some comic news. So stick around. Hey there, DC fans. This is Josh Rayner, editor-in-chief of DC Comics News, here to give you a special deal from Insight Editions. Insight Editions is an amazing company who uh, sells books and collectibles uh, from all sorts of pop culture, whether it be DC Comics, Marvel Comics, uh, movies like Die Hard, Harry Potter, Alien, everything out there in the world you can you can find. You got books, collectibles, uh, pop-up greeting cards. They have all kinds of amazing items. And right now, you can get 35% off site-wide by using the code DCNEWS35. That's DCNEWS35. 35 DC News 35 use that code and receive 35% off site-wide at insighteditions.com First there was the DC Comics News podcast then came the Spinner Rack and now the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned I am the night a story about the stories a show celebrating batman the animated series week by week episode by episode just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones i am the night Hello listeners, this is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. 
Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Mad Pup, a Harley Quinn cast. Three, two, one. Harley Quinn? Harley f***ing Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making Bat Shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, Cougar. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and battle me, Nards. I definitely do not f*** that. In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't f*** with Lois Lane. For f***'s sake. I'm a damn good cop. Lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. (laughs) Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. F***ers. And welcome back to episode 102 of the DC Comics News Podcast. I am your host, Brad Flicky, and with me is the always insightful Seth Singleton. Uh, We have talked some movie and TV news, and now we are going to talk some comic book news. Uh, Up first is that uh, Insight Editions is going to be releasing a new book that is going to explore Gotham City. Uh, Seth, what was your take on this? What a beautiful book. I mean, what an absolutely gorgeous uh, glance. And then, I mean, (laughs) you get that. So you get in this story, you get a teaser with that great front cover, which I think is timeless. Um, The bat symbol almost looks like it's drawn in chalk, or drawn against a chalk moon, but then as you move through down, the rest of it has this both photorealistic cartoon and and wonderful mix of just very classic images. And then later through this description, I mean, it just sounds like this gorgeous sort of like walk through all of the parts of Gotham that you've heard about, you know, an in-depth tour of uh, Arkham Asylum, um, you know, beautiful illustrations and then there's just one great preview page that shows you the uh iceberg lounge just like in gorgeous close-up and i mean it's it's stunning <laughs> it's really well drawn uh i love that it's got all that stuff that so like if you're a fan of like the who's who kind of things where it's just the you know a couple of great images but also these like very thick dense descriptive breakdowns of what this is and why it's important i mean this is one of those books that just from this page appears to do that and so much more uh you know it's written by uh, a comic book writer and historian and matthew k manning um and then on top of it you've just got this really beautiful art and <sighs> It's one of those things where if you're a fan, you're probably going to collect it simply because a it's a great thing to have. But if you love like gorgeous art and these, you know, encyclopedic like texts, this is going to be a book you're going to want. Inside Editions, they've been crushing it on quite a few occasions. Brad, what's your take, my friend? Yeah, they have. They have been absolutely crushing it. There's a it's like um, like. SciShow collectibles or McFarland toys, like just that name alone is like a stamp of guaranteed quality. 
Insight Editions is just is is kind of that company as well. Uh, yeah, and these illustrations that that little ice, iceberg lounge page that we got, kind of almost not in the art style, but almost in the, but kind of in the layout of the page, I was kind of almost getting some Chris Ware vibes, which is which is really kind of cool. And I just think that this is going to be definitely on on people's list. And there's people out there too that will probably because it's insight editions, it's automatically going to go, you know, in their collection. And rightly so, this is going to be um it's going to be a great this would be a great addition to anybody's library, especially if you're a Batman fan. So uh trust us, this is going to be um this is it's going to be pretty amazing. So yeah, I mean I think that um yeah, I I would love just to be able to just to to go through it and take a look and see all the different parts of Gotham that they that they put in it. I, I can't wait to see what the Arkham Asylum page looks like. So up next, speaking of Batman, we are getting a new Dark Knight miniseries by uh, Tom Taylor and Andy Kubert, and that will debut this April. Uh, Seth, what was your take on this? Wow, <laughs> this was pretty hot, man. I mean, for starters, it's a really cool looking cover. I, I love the way we get to see Batman in this uh, really fun, uh, stylized costume. Uh, again, sort of giving me a feel for a little bit of the Batman, a little bit of some of the stuff we saw in Endless Winter with the goggles, uh, shades of other takes on Batman. But Tom Taylor. Man, I just finished recently the the review thing that we got for uh, Dead Planet, and uh, man, that was an awesome, you know, journey. So now we're taking Batman, we're putting him in the UK because, well, somebody needs him, and uh, <laughs> it's a personal message. But also, there's also this sort of great mystery about the idea of Batman 147, a plane crash, a new villain called Equilibrium. I mean... Overall, the story alone sounds like it's definitely packed with all that stuff that Taylor loves to do, which is take what you know and add more. And then uh, I love his you know, description of what it was like working with Andy, you know, muscle and bulk and power and moves like a battery. <laughs> That's pretty cool stuff, man. This sounds pretty awesome. Um, what's your take? Yeah, I mean, I, I love the idea of Tom Taylor and uh, uh, Andy Kubert. Uh, teaming up it's gonna be a match made in heaven i love tom taylor's work too uh lately i mean this is just he's just he's up there with some of i mean dc has such a great group of writers working with them right now uh so and and, and taylor's really definitely part of that list so with ram v and tinyan uh and um scott snyder and uh tom king i mean it's just yeah so I, I and I really wish that Steve was on tonight so that he could go on about how cool it is that Batman's going to be coming over to uh, to England. So it's uh, it'll be I'll, I'll be interested to hear his take on that as well. Steve, you're missed this week, but yeah, this this story is going to um, to be to be a fun read, almost guaranteed. I think he spilled his tea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no guarantee, but I feel like he was just like, Pleh. and this isn't the first time this episode. Just saying. 
Okay, up next, uh, Batman and Scooby-Doo will be teaming up in a comic. Uh, what was your What was your take on this? Uh, I love that it compares the analogy of peanut butter and jelly with peanut butter and chocolate, peanut butter and marshmallow cream. Like, come on, man. Um, for starters, I'm not a marshmallow cream guy. I'm okay with that. But peanut butter and chocolate, that's like my dream. And peanut butter jelly is one of those things I can live on for an eternity. It's just, it's possible, right? Like you can survive all sorts of stuff. <laughs> so uh, I love the I love the idea of, of this series. I've loved Scooby-Doo Team Up. I think it's adorable. Uh, Sholly Fish has done an amazing job combining great classic characters with, you know, these wonderful uh, team ups with Scooby-Doo. I think Scooby-Doo and Batman is just like... You know, it's like going into a playground and just sort of being like, all these toys are mine. Yay. Like, how do you not have a good time with that? So I think uh, it's a lot of fun. I love that Sholly Fish is a part of it. I love to work on Team Up. Um, I also think that you've got pretty impressive combination with Dario Brizuela, uh, Ivan Cohen, and Randy Elliott. Um, You know, it's nice when DC sort of goes, hey, this thing that we're doing works. Let's do it again with some other characters. And what better combination than Batman and Scooby-Doo Mysteries? Except for peanut butter and chocolate. I'm not letting that one go. It's still going to top the list. What's your take, man? Yeah, uh, you know, I, I really have enjoyed what uh, DC has done with the Hanna-Barbera uh, properties. There's been some, you know, the, those team-ups are fun. Although these kind of crossovers aren't necessarily my jam. But uh, speaking of peanut butter and jelly. But uh this, this, oh, this his one. ears are burning, Steve. Did you hear that pun? Seriously? <laughs> Your ears are burning. Don't even got to try and tell me. Yo. Nice one. <laughs> but but to me, this, this team up kind of makes sense in two ways, because I there was an episode of the old Scooby-Doo show where they do team up with Batman and Robin. So that has happened before. And they're all kind of detectives, so that kind of makes sense. So I think in those terms, I think that this could be a fun story, but with so much, I'll be honest, with so much potentially great stuff coming out of DC Comics these days, this might not be on the top of my to-get list, but I could definitely see me picking this up, you know, on trade when it comes out and, uh, you know, and, and having a good, good laugh with it. <laughs> and... Up next, another Batman story here is that we will be seeing more of uh, John Ridley's next Batman in 2021. Uh, what was your what was your take on this? I think it's a character uh, who already is making a huge mark on DC just through what we've been seeing with uh, the current future state storylines. So. It, it makes all the sense in the world. Plus you've got Nick Darrington doing the colors like, or the art. Like, how do you not, <laughs> how do you not keep, you know, again, it, it, if it's a good thing and it works, like keep it going. Uh, you know, this was something that was mentioned and hinted at back uh, before we got into the, uh, the winter heavy winter season was the idea that one, he was going to be doing other, uh, other history. And then there was going to be a whole slew of, of attention being placed on Batman from um, next Batman to so much other that was going to follow up um, that future state sort of series that we've been hearing about. We're currently now enjoying. And now it sounds like this um, Batman 
deluxe edition is going to be pretty sweet. Uh, the next Batman Second Son, um, you know, we've got more of that coming. I kind of feel like this is just build up, you know, that we're starting out with Future State and we're going to just continue to see this ramp up of this idea of who is this Batman and what is it more we need to know about why they are, you know, in so many ways like the Batman we've come to know and love and yet so very different and I think it's a really impressive approach to seeing how the mantle can be addressed because, you know, it's always been one of those questions who would ever succeed Bruce Wayne at some point, should it ever happen? And now that idea of succession is being, you know, challenged with this approach in which maybe this Batman doesn't need to succeed. Maybe he's uh, another Batman that we need now and will be the Batman who carries on later without it being a thing about succession or something else. But I think overall we're seeing this, this light put on Batman, who also is one of the biggest selling characters for DC. So taking a look at, at other things that should be considered with this character and how he's a way to tell stories that maybe would have been possible before. Huge opportunity. Very exciting. And man, just what I've seen from Midley's work so far, like... <laughs> As Steve would say, hey, buddy, here's my money. Just just, just take it. Just take it. In fact, I'll write you a blank check. Get back to me with the amount. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to do a manual labor. So what you got? What's your take, man? Yeah, I think um, the, John really has done such cool things with this character. Uh, you know, and if DC plays their cards right, you could have a place up there with kind of how Miles Morales has been loved by fans so much as the next Spider-Man. We could have the same thing in this case. And the, so the more content from from both John Ridley and the next Batman, I think, is is a good thing. Good thing. I really love the character. I like the supporting cast. So, yeah, I, I'm always down for more of this. And it's going to be, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see how DC integrates these new renditions of these characters uh, going forward. And I, yeah, I, I want more from from this next Batman. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to this. And in kind of more Batman news, kind of, uh, Robin is getting a new solo series uh, in April after uh, Future State wraps up. Uh, what was your take on this? So absolutely exciting. I'll never forget when Tim Drake got his own set of miniseries, the Robin 1, 2, and 3. Uh, the first one was legendary in such a collection. Um, the the next two were so much fun watching him take on, you know, uh, some pretty impressive uh, villains from Batman, uh, whether it was Joker or uh, when he took on KG Beast. So that was just something that always stuck out for me about Tim and watching him go out on his own. Now we've had recently with Titans and also in the Batman lines uh, or titles, uh, Robin has been breaking away and sort of seeking his own path. He's really going through an internal struggle based on some really questionable, both morally and ethically, decisions he's made. So I, I like that this is now going to be taken over by someone like Josh Williamson, who, my goodness, this guy has just been like a meteor, uh, a comet. I mean, I don't know how to stop him. 
but I don't want him to stop because every time he turns around, he's cranking out something new and great. I've seen his, uh, you know, amazing work on Flash, his handiwork all over uh, Death Metal, you know, so many other projects. What he did for so many great characters for me has been a lot of fun. So I, I love that this is going to be a team up with uh, also an amazing artist like uh, Gleb Melnikov. And I think Damien's got a story that deserves its own series and is going to be a lot of fun for those who are like, so tell me more about this kid raised by assassins because for 80 years, we've been able to tell you this, all these different stories about Batman and, you know, for all that time since stories about Dick Grayson, about Red Hood, this Robin needs to have a series and I, I'm juiced for this one. What was your take? Yeah, I, I'm, uh, I, I agree a hundred percent that um, Damien is a character that um, deserves a little more exploration. It'll be fun to see more sides of, of the, that, that, uh, that character. Uh, he's one of the more fascinating stories, I think in DC. So there's plenty of room there for some really cool storytelling. And, uh, you know, uh, of all the Robins, he's definitely one that would kind of go off on his own and, uh, would ha- get into enough that he would warrant his own series. So, and the creative team's great, like you were saying. So, yeah, I, th- I think that this could be another, uh, another good, good uh, series to check out. And we've got one more story uh, in the comic book world, and that is that uh, Green Lantern is going to launch with a new artist and some uh, new Green Lanterns. Uh, what was your take on this? <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, no problem. Yeah, I think it's a, uh, I think it's a great announcement. Um, I like the idea that it's it's picking up some of the stuff that's been recently threaded by uh, Bendis with uh, action and the concept of, uh, well, also a Legion of Superheroes with the concept of the United Planets, how it was formed, how John Kent's a, a part of that. And now how they're seeing sort of the the impact of that. Um, I'm excited about Infinite Frontier. I think it, it's going to offer up some some really fun new stuff that I'm looking forward to. I like that this series is going to star Jon Stewart, who's one of my favorite Green Lanterns. It's why I, I so heartily will cheer about that Mosaic series, which I absolutely loved. And uh, man... I remember just that that haunting feeling when he he lost the planet and Cosmic Odyssey, some really great stuff. And then, man, the fact that you're also going to get to see more stuff about uh, Joe or uh, Sojourner um, from uh, Far Sector, which, man, um, that series, like, wow, (laughs) from, uh, you know, uh, I'm going to ruin her name, uh, Nemesin's uh, or Jemison's work in writing and Jamal Campbell's art, like what a uniquely just beautiful world that's captured this slice of Green Lantern sort of ideology and mythology. And, uh, oh, and Teen Lantern, who's just really fun. And I love in this story that they show, you've got Teen Lantern kind of giving the business to a guardian, which looks really awesome. Yeah, yeah I like that. I thought that was a, a pretty <laughs> cool panel. Uh, <laughs> And uh, there's also the, you know, the, the really nice black and white teaser panel where we've got John. Um, we've also got Teen Lantern in there. And just this sort of feeling of like, hey, this 
this could be a really fun romp with some characters that uh, a lot of people are really intrigued by um, and, and would love to see more of. And, uh, and also that it's like all the other lanterns are going back to Oa and that's where Stuart and Teen Lantern sort of get connected. And now it's this whole mission about why did the power battery explode? And um, there she is. Gosh, N.K. Jemison. Yeah, I was going to just ruin it. But thankfully, I was scrolling through the article and I found her name again. Um, you know, what a what a great concept in that character. What a great thing also, I think, for Teen Lantern to meet a character like that who's like, I've seen some stuff and I've done some stuff. And along the way, I've got some wisdom, if you're willing to listen. You know, so between all of those different things and then the art just looks absolutely gorgeous. Uh, <laughs> I think it's really awesome. I'm pretty juiced for it, man. It's, it's one of those things that's like, hey, the, these are the Green Lantern stories I've been waiting for. It's one of those things that makes me still miss like the Green Lantern Quarterly and stuff like that, where you saw titles and stories about other Green Lanterns. And you could see just how broad the idea of all these sectors and the Green Lanterns who patrol them and. Anyways, um, I think it's a great announcement. It's such a great follow-up to all the stuff I've been loving so far with Grant Morrison and Liam Sharp over on Green Lantern. So more Green Lantern, more Far Sector, more Joe, more Jon Stewart, more Teen Lantern. What was your take? Yeah, more, more, more. Uh, there, there's so much within that kind of Green Lantern mythos that you can explore. And I agree. I think that that um, it's going to be really cool to see Sojourner and Teen Lantern interact um because there there is a lot of lessons to be learned and things to be taught i think on both sides of that and uh you know far sector was incredible so it's great to see you know like they are using those characters more so and i've really liked what i've seen from the john stewart character in future states so yeah i think that this is this is uh, another uh, one of those definitely cool potential series that we've got to look forward to for sure. Dude, how good was Future State? Yeah, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> that was such a Green Lantern story. And Gnort. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I wasn't yeah. ready for that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I love that too. I was like, what? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh you know, I think that this you now as we're recording this, the first issue came out this week. So I don't know when you will be listening to this people, but um so far what I've read, I think that Green Lantern Future State first issue was one of my favorites. Hands down. Hands down. Yeah. I mean, you know, they, and that this was a tough week when I was doing Spinner Rack. It was not easy oh, to yeah, pick five out of that. Like, I was yeah, seriously, yeah. like, I was even recording it going, so I'm just going down through this and picking what catches my eye because I couldn't settle on a five. Like, yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah, that was an awesome book. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. And with that, that wraps up yet another episode of dc comics news uh, podcast uh thank you for uh for joining us uh if you like what you hear uh rate listen subscribe you can catch us wherever you listen to your podcast uh apple Podcasts, stitcher spotify uh and uh seth where can people find you if they want to reach out to you and uh see what you got going on well, I prefer not to be found, but that's no longer possible. So uh, you can find me at DC Comics News, or you can at least find like a psychic imprint of my writing there for either news reviews, mostly review side things. Um, you can also find me here hanging out with great people like Brad and the, race, the rest of our criminal cadre cohorts, whether it's, uh, you know, Steve J. Ray, Kelly Gaines, uh, 
Oh, goodness. Kendra, I'm blanking on your last name. I'm so sorry. Kendra, <laughs> who might just end up like Cher, like Kendra. Uh, you can find me hosting the Spinner Rack on here. You can find me hanging out, as I will be soon, with Brad again for more episodes of uh, Mad Love, a Harley Quinn cast. And uh, search me out on the internet. I'm one more singleton on Twitter. I'm uh, just out there. If you type in my name, Seth Singleton, word story, go from there. It's a fun romp. Brad, where can the good people find you? I can find me writing news reviews at DC Comics News. Uh, you can also find me, like you just said, on the Mad Love podcast. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, FlickyB1. And as Seth said, please check out our other shows, Mad Love, Spinner Rack, I'm the Knight, the uh, episode-by-episode breakdown of the Batman animated series. So with that, uh, we always like to end the episode by saying a phrase that is uh, something that everybody should be doing, and that is to read more comics. Until next time, everyone. Have a good one. <laughs>